0: Post your free job on LinkedIn.com recommend today.
2: He is just an obsessive goal scorer.
3: But you have to understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And, and the Bernabeu blinks it back. I haven't, I haven't got a
2: problem with soccer suffering football. <laughs> What I oh, well, can guarantee to you is that they want to keep everything single.
4: Welcome to House of Champions, YouTube friends dropping your comments and questions in the chat and make sure you smash the like and subscribe button as we get set for the World Cup to begin. Today we have something a little different for you as we discuss Qatar being a controversial host for the World Cup. Please welcome my co-host Nigel Rio Coker as always and special guest. Yes, Miguel Delaney is in the house. Chief Football Writer for The Independent. Oh, Miguel, first and foremost. I was trying to figure out what my first question to you would be, but I have no idea where to take this uh, conversation. But I've just got to say thanks for
2: joining us. How are you feeling ahead of the World Cup? Um, I have to say, I I think the only place to start, actually, is the fact that the the World Cup, most people, for me, certainly, it's what got me into football. It's that magic that the sport has, really kind of, I think in that sense, it's kind of the emotional piece of sport, and yeah, it just that that just feels like something else that Qatar, or sorry, this, this specific World Cup, has taken away from us. Because I, I keep finding myself as I'm obviously doing so much work both on the football side and as a journalist, and on the other side about what this competition represents. And I do find myself, I must say, he would say when you're doing some sort of historical piece, I was looking at a game the other day, I think it was from 1990, which is you know, I'm half Irish, as you can tell from the accents, and that was Ireland's first World Cup. And I you find said when you watch all this all this nostalgia, it's it's hard not to get excited about it. And then I was kind of like, then uh, equally it's not hard to all the kind of issues around guitar, then you kind of feel a little bit guilty about that because I mean there's really there's no getting away with from this World Cup. The most Relevant fact is, we're going to have the greatest event in sport, most, you know, the, this big global party. And it's in a country where the entire infrastructure of this World Cup has basically been built on what numerous human rights activists, what the migrant workers themselves describe as modern slavery. Um, and that's been normalized. We're all going to hell with it. It, it shouldn't be happening, but we press ahead. And, and that, I think. Um, Conditions, absolutely everything we're talking about. And even when you get into the arguments about kind of, well, it's good the World Cup has moved around uh, about oh, uh, about uh, respecting uh, another country's culture. Well, but, but this is beyond that, because this is really about a World Cup should not, no sporting com- competition should be taking a place when it involves any suffering.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And yet here we are. Ready for first kick of Qatar 2022. Now, Miguel, you were at the draw recently. You're heading over this week as well. Looking forward to that first kick. Uh, But also, I'm really looking forward to to hearing what it's like from your perspective as a journalist, being in Qatar, not necessarily just focusing on soccer, but focusing on the atmosphere around. When you were at the draw, what was it like? What was the atmosphere like? What was the feeling like? Was it anything kind of
2: similar to a previous World Cup? Or is this something completely new and unexpected? I think it's something completely new. And that's what everyone is saying basically as well. It's in it's it's in a completely um obviously it's it's the first World Cup in the Middle East, the first world cup in a in a Muslim country. Um and I, I think that's what even even human rights groups would say that's one thing that shouldn't be discounted in all this. That's quite a, a, a good thing. That 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 should be something that's a positive. It's just been undercut because of so many of the specific issues with Qatar. When I was there. I think the atmosphere is quite today. Now, it was the draw, to be fair, so it is a little, little bit different. But even from that perspective, I was at the draw in Moscow before 2018. And obviously, 2018 has become, I mean, given what's happened since, it's there's it, it's, it's a very different framing around that World Cup. But uh, you, you could still you could still feel a different energy around the draw, say, and kind of a sense of the world coming together. It wasn't quite the same with the draw in Qatar. One of the things I most noticed, I mean, basically it stood out, if you if you look at the last few World Cups, because it's it's a 32 uh, country competition, they're going to up it to 48. That requires a huge infrastructure that has ha- had to be built and necessitated a lot of these, um, or sorry, basically I suppose made worse a lot of these migrant worker issues. But that infrastructure generally needs to be spread. So the last few World Cups, South Africa, Brazil, Russia, they've all, they've basically been held in countries that could almost be described as continents. A continent, certainly Brazil and Russia. Really spread out, whereas this is—I mean, there's all sorts of geographical comparisons. But a 32 a 32 country World Cup is being held in an area. I mean, as, as someone from Dublin, uh, I would say from Donabate in the north of Dublin to Bray and just south of Dublin, or people are, are describing as a similar geographical area to Yorkshire. But certainly, it's in the most confined space we've ever had. That really stands out when you're there because Kata- Doha just feels small, even from the perspective of the mega cities that have hosted World Cup finals recently. Another part was there was a lot of construction work going along, g- happening at the time. I think from what I've been told since that construction work was mostly around kind of the extra infrastructure as well as roads and drainage. Uh, and that obviously meant you you could, there was a lot of visibility from the migrant workers that have suffered such such issues um, from a few colleagues that are out there now, there's still construction going on still work going on, um, which is, which I suppose is quite incredible at this point. Uh, but I mean, it's this is another uncertainty about it. We don't know how ready Qatar is to hold it, host this World Cup, given all these questions, mm-hmm. and it's, it's something that's going to be very instructive over the next few days.
3: Miguel, um, obviously, you know we're living in different times. How annoyed or frustrated? would you say you feel when we've heard so many times about fifa not wanting to get politics involved in football but for the listeners listening with your experience and your knowledge could you explain to the listeners how this isn't the first time that politics has been involved in football and with everything going on with such a burden being put on players to take a political stand for some people it might not be knowledgeable on football as we are, could you let them know that this isn't the first time this has happened and that FIFA has always had politics involved in football, whether they yeah. like it or not?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, this, I mean, the first thing to be said, I suppose, is that every World Cup is somewhat political because it has this huge power. So many people in the world are wrapped up in it. So that that alone is something that can be politically used. But in terms of overtly political World Cups where the state is is using it or there's A very specific context like that this is really the fourth and the original was 1934 which is Mussolini's world cup in Italy uh, and was really used for the purposes of 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 almost a forerunner of the 1936 Olympics in Berlin 1978 is arguably the only world cup I would say that's more controversial than this given we had a situation and it was under the Argentinian uh, military junta And 500 meters from the stadium where the final was held, you had 5,000 political, or sorry, a military prison. It was in, I think it was in the Navy barracks. Uh, I might be correct in some of those details, but broadly correct, where there was 5,000 military prisoners, tortured, um, real brutalities, or they were subjected to real brutalities. And while this was going on, they could hear the cheers from the stadium. Um, A really remarkable situation. And it obviously created this complication for the Argentinian players as well, as well as the other uh, teams that went there. Uh, 2018, of course, as we've discussed now, has a completely different framing. And now we have uh, Qatar 2022, which is being used, I would say, in in, in a similar, not not identical, but a similar dynamic to 1934 and 1978, in that it's a state using the World Cup to burnish its own political image, its own uh, international appearance, um, and, and again, it, it, it's, it's also why you, you mentioned FIFA there as well. FIFA quite, they, 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 it's always like they want to have their cake and eat it in this way. And that could be seen last week with that, that the news that went around last week with that letter to all the federations. I mean, they always, what are the reasons they justify giving the World Cup to problematic states? Because they they say that, oh, the World Cup can be a force for good. Football can be a force for good. And that's that can be true, but it can't be true if you're sending if you're then on the on the same token, sending letters to every single federation saying them to stick to football. Because it it also goes against what I mean, there's there's two issues I think where FIFA's stance or where you can you can bring real questions for FIFA here. The first is that one of the justifications of this World Cup was supposed to be that it could actually bring badly needed reforms to the migrant worker situation in Qatar. Mm -hmm. every human rights group would say that that is one potential positive to come even if even if so much of this is wrong or questionable it it could have brought reform now virtually every human rights group is saying that opportunity has been lost because fifa hasn't used the leverage enough um so uh, it immediately kind of undercuts infantino's main point there and then secondly fifa have i mean one of their tenets is inclusivity that the game is for everyone they make great play of you know um of LGBT rights when it suits them, and yet here we are. In a, in a, we're in a country where, I mean, I, I was ta- I was talking to some groups last week, like Three Lions Pride, who, who said that they, I mean they went to uh, they went to Russia despite Russia having similar issues with views towards homosexuality. Yet they don't feel safe going to Qatar. So you have this global party in a, in, a, in a country that where a very a portion of the globe just don't feel comfortable. And again. One of the arguments made about that is well, that means a lot of countries with um, particular governed by religious law say they can never host World Cups. But ultimately, that does come down to a choice. And I think from my my perspective, FIFA and global bodies like that should be leaning towards human rights, leaning towards what's most inclusive. And and just on sorry, I'm going on a little bit, but you mentioned the players there, Nigel. Yeah. Um, I, I must say, I do have sympathy for the players here. Because, I mean, obviously, like, it's my job to be reading about this and writing about it and kind of, you know, putting it in context. But the player's job is to play football. And ultimately, like, you can't get away from the fact that the World Cup is an ultimate in their career. And I, I often think about this in relation to the, the 1990 World Cup, which I mentioned from an Irish perspective. It That's become a, a major national event. Italia 90 has this kind of, is this, this real sparkle around it for Irish people. Well, imagine that had been held in Qatar. And it's similar for players in the sense that, you might get one chance at a World Cup or one chance to win a World Cup, which saves maybe some of the England players now, or, or Messi again now with Argentina, say, when he, he's got another chance, but it seems like they're coming together quite nicely. Mm-hmm. And yet you, there's this kind of societal expectation and burden on you to take this massive decision about your career, a, a real once-in-a-lifetime chance, because of a decision taken way above your head. I mean, it's what, the, the question should be on the federations. The, the one thing I would say on that, though, is if the players are going to this and because they are benefiting from it, they should go in with the rise open. That, that, that's, that's the only thing I, I think I, w- I should be asked of players. But I don't think the burden of boycotts or anything like that should be put on them. Listen. Well said, Miguel. It's very
4: important you have this discussion. It's very important you write about it. You know, me and Nigel obviously both fortunate enough to play the game in our career. Um, I spent a lot of time at St Pauli in Germany, which is um, obviously a, a historic club for fighting for human rights. And I take those morals with me wherever I go, and I utilize my platform to share the fight against all kinds of discrimination. It doesn't matter whether it's against homophobia, or racism, um, sexism, against all forms of discrimination. I use my platform to be able to voice my opinion. Now, in a strange way, I have worked for the Qatari's before being sports. And I have worked for um City Football Group, the Abu Dhabis as well, and I have had every confidence to be able to share and voice my opinion in the battle against uh, any kind of discrimination. And I was never, ever had any pushback from them in any sort of way. And actually, in many ways, I was I was motivated to, to voice my opinion. So I did do. And I still voice my opinion. Now, when it comes to a World Cup in Qatar 2022, Miguel, you are going to see players who are different from any other generation. These players are now brands. These players now have a bigger voice than they ever had before anywhere I've ever seen in the beautiful game. I believe that players will voice their opinion. Not all of them. Sure, I feel the pressure for a lot of players. But I think players will use this stage to voice their opinion. Coaches will use this stage to voice their opinion. Fans will use this stage to voice their opinion in the battle What are you expecting to see from players, coaches, fans alike? And what do you expect the reaction from FIFA and the Qataris to be like?
2: Yeah, well, on that exact topic, I was at um, Southgate's uh, squad announcement press conference last Thursday at St. George's Park. And obviously, one of the questions is about what do you think of this FIFA letter? And uh, I I, I thought it was the most interesting line of the whole day, uh, even more so than James Madison's call, I must say, which was Southgate saying that, frankly... I'll speak when I want to speak. FIFA ain't going to silence me, and it's interesting that because I have been speaking to a lot of people who work in federations since then, and they talk about that that FIFA letter irritated them so much, as much because FIFA's very decision to to host the World Cup in, in, in Qatar and and persist with it has brought these questions for people. So it's a bit rich for FIFA now to be asking them to kind of just stick to the football. Um, so I do I do expect a lot of talk about it. Um, I mean, you, you, I think one of the most Somebody many want set the tone after because it's so close to the tournament. Now, but obviously, after say the the Danish kits and the Australian team's uh, video, but Bruno Fernandez spoke quite stridently after the Fulham match on Sunday. So I think we will see a fair bit of that. I think we'll see fan protests. But I think this is going to be one of the in terms of say and there's all there's been this bigger bigger debate over whether journalists should go or you know how the tournament should be covered and whether you can actually shed a light on things if you're there. I mean, issues like the um, the suffering that migrant workers go through, that's, that's, that's something that's difficult to cover while you're there as much because it's, it's difficult to get labor camps, labor camps. It's difficult to earn the trust of migrant workers to speak freely, which is why I'd actually recommend people should watch a film on Amazon called The Workers' Cup, where it was a mm-hmm. documentary group that actually got very rare access to a workers' camp, to a workers camp and earned their trust. It's, it's really good. Um, But I think what all that means, I think one of the main issues in Qatar and why it's very relevant that we know what happens in the ground here is I think a lot of groups like, say, LGBT groups, uh, those who want to um, raise or improve the lot of migrant workers in the Middle East, I think they will use the global spotlight. And what people might anticipate is maybe a little more laxness from the Qatari state to protest during the World Cup. But I think how the Qatari state reacts to that is going to be very interesting. could be one of the major stories of this World Cup. Yeah, very good. Yeah, I think,
3: uh, Miguel, the the reason why I asked you that question earlier as well was the Hmm. fact of um, the expectations. And like we said, I think it's an unfair burden on players to be seen as the one to protest. Like you stated there, it wasn't their decision to hold the World Cup there. Then FIFA having the cheek to send out a letter about, again, basically keeping politics out of the game when they've said some crazy things. I don't know if you recall when uh, I think it was Arsene Wenger came out saying about how if we held a World Cup every two years, it will stop immigration from Africa into Europe, which for me just yeah. sounds the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Was
2: that Infantino, I think, was it? Or, or, I, can't, I can't think remember.
3: it was maybe Arsene Wenger or Infantino, one of those two. But my thing is, it's just to like you've just stated there, it's to let fans know people listening that not every footballer has that ability to use their platform for the best of their ability. We've discussed the... Denmark team, the Dutch team wanting to do things. And there's certain other players who are not willing to do things. And have you heard more about Hugo Luis's, um basically decision not to want to wear the rainbow, rain, rainbow armband? And that's not me going against him for that. That's mm-hmm. his decision. And that's what people need to understand and respect. In this tournament, there are going to be some people who use their platform and there'll be some that don't. But you shouldn't judge the players because it's yeah. not their responsibility. And the last question was, has there been great backlash for... David Beckham, who is supposed to be this great icon, this great kind of success story of football, this man who's standing there, getting endorsed as an ambassador for Qatar, but then there's other groups that he says he stands for, but yet he's standing with Qatar and hasn't really been vocal to say anything. Has there been any major backlash with that?
2: I mean, there has been a lot of backlash from Beckham and it's been, I think, I mean, obviously, the, the, the whole issue of Qatar is much more serious than public relations. But in terms of Beckham himself, it's been a major public relations misstep, given he's usually a master at this sort of thing. Uh, and also, I mean, because, I mean, this is someone who was lauded by... Um, he, he was seen as a, a bit of a gay icon because, yeah. be, because of work he'd done in the past. So for, so I think if, if you speak to that community, there seems to be a lot of betrayal about it. Uh, in terms of player like the LaRice. I don't want to say I'm disappointed with the because I think you can you can understand players just at this point wanted to focus. I mean, I suppose if I was a representative of a player, and I would read everything, what I would say to them is the one thing about this so you're, you're but by going to Qatar and it, and no and I, and I think people are players are like players a lot of like so there's no kind of greater pressure from a, from a. From a boy about a boycott or that, but by going to Qatar, they are ultimately benefiting in some way. Uh, so they're, they're benefiting from what is a complicated, a morally complicated tournament. So the, I would I think, uh, given their voice, given the power of their voice, and given that their voice can make Qatar uncomfortable as regards re- reforms for the future, uh, it's what I I think. If I was representative, I would, I'd advise a player to just use their voice in that way and even and even raise the most basic concerns. In the way Bruno Fernandes did this week, that'll be that'll be my my thinking on that. I mean, I don't want to say I'm disappointed in Hugo and he has his own decision. But if I was advising a player, even from a media perspective, that that's what I'd say.
4: Last question for me. We've got about 60 seconds left with you, Miguel. Thank you so much for joining us on House of Champions. Awesome stuff as always. We probably could talk for about two days about this subject, and and I would love to do that at some point, get your reaction when you come back from the World Cup. But do you think we'll ever see another World Cup like this again? I mean, obviously, you're seeing money being pumped into sports, uh, not just necessarily from the Qataris, also from the UAE. You're also seeing it from the Saudis. Do you think we'll see another World
2: Cup like this, or do you think that maybe a lesson's been learned? Well, this is the big one now, Uh, and this is why Qatar could be instructive and have influence in a different way, because at the moment, who's going for 2030? Well, there's two emotional bids, which are Spain and Portugal with Ukraine having one group. There's the the other bid, which is not just emotional, based on history, which is Uruguay, Argentina, and Paraguay. And then on the other side of this, Infantino, who's got a great relationship with Saudi Arabia. It's Saudi Arabia, uh, Egypt, and Greece. And that would be all the issues from Qatar by an order of magnitude.
4: Yeah. Crazy to think something like that.
2: Nigel, before we go, anything uh, to add here before we
4: go?
3: I think you're right. It's fantastic insight. And I think it's great that we kind of cover all bases to understand that this isn't the first time that politics has been involved in football, because I think for a lot of fans or new fans to football, they don't have the history and know that this is something new because obviously we're living in a different uh, climate now where they feel that athletes should just be athletes and not be political about certain things. But There's right and there's wrong. And it's first time we're going through this. Love to have Miguel on again after to see how this World Cup has been perceived. I think that's going to be the big thing. Pleasure. Miguel,
4: listen, thank you so much for joining us today and being so open and honest about discuss discussion. Great work that you do with the independent. Keep up the great work. Enjoy yourself at the World Cup and please continue to write those open and honest questions. Thank you so much for joining us on House of Champions. Thanks. Cheers. Thank you. Pleasure. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back. Me and Nigel will discuss a little bit further when we return.
1: Selling a little or a lot. to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast.
0: EBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential?
4: yeah, you're watching House of Champions, everybody. Just if you are listening on CBSports.com, we want to let you know that you can subscribe to our YouTube channel or you our podcast by simply searching House of Champions. We are available on all podcast platforms, and we deliver world-class coverage, and we will deliver world-class coverage during the World Cup and beyond. Go find us anywhere if you're enjoying this content. Uh, Ian Joy with Nigel Río Coker. Uh, discussing Qatar as the host nation or controversial host nation, Nigel Río Coker. Um, that was brilliant from Miguel, and it opens up a, a large debate. Me and you can continue to talk about this for forever because we've got a lot to talk about, really, when it comes to Qatar being the host nation. I mean, what are you expecting from players yourself i mean obviously we heard from miguel right there but what about you what do you think players are going to do what do you think they're are going are they going to use this stage are you going to see players hide from this stage and just concentrate on the football or is it unexpected
3: honestly ian i would say to fans and everyone listening expect the unexpected that's the reality i think that in this world cup we're going to learn truly about some of these players that are idolized and what they really stand for You know, because there is a lot of players who contradict themselves and they're human beings. You know, not every player is built for that. And the reason why I say that, and you know it as well, you've been in dressing rooms. You've played with players who are envious and feel that they can be a captain of the team. And then when they get that responsibility, you see how they crumble, that they're not built for that. And it's understanding that certain individuals are built for that. And certain individuals are more conscious than others, while some people are very selfish I don't need to go into detail. We see what's going on currently right now in one player in world football where he's showing really how selfish he is about a certain situation that he's chose to do now, which makes it all about him and takes away probably a lot of pressure from the World Cup and what's going on. So I feel for me, it's going to be expected, unexpected. I think that you look at what Holland and Denmark are doing, they're, 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 nations thinking with a conscious about certain things that's bigger than football. And I love football and you love football Ian, but you know, in life, sometimes there's some stuff that's way bigger than football. And um, I just think that we're going to learn a lot about football players. And some of them are so, and I've I've never been a big fan of this whole thing of being a brand. I look Mm -hmm. at myself as a human being first. You can get all these endorsements, you can make all this money and this and that, but if your soul is empty, your soul is always going to be empty. You can be rich as you want materialistically, If you have an empty soul, that's going to haunt you for the rest of your life. And that's bigger than football. So I think that's the problem you're going to get. You're going to get some people, they're thinking about their brand and this and that. And what I always find funny, and I know you do as well, is when some of these players who look at themselves as such a great brand, when you give them a platform to speak of anything of relevance or anything else beyond themselves, they have nothing of value to add to, to, to the world or to life or to make this place a better place. So I would just say expect the unexpected. I think there will be some that take a big stand and make a big statement. And then there'll be some that won't say anything because it doesn't
4: bother them. And they're more worried about their so-called brand. Listen, some people are just simply not built to be a leader, uh, as you mentioned. And it was a great point you make about the captaincy, because when you actually are given the captain's armband and the responsibility falls on you to lift and build the team and push team forward, uh, some people just crumble. They, they can't yep. handle it. And it's the same for when you talk about players on a big stage. Um, Obviously, it's different culturally. I think when you go from country to country, nation yes. to nation through the World Cup, they're, they're taught certain things in their society from their parents as well. And and whether they're brave enough to to go against or brave enough to to use this platform, that is their choice. They have a choice to concentrate on football. They have a, a choice to go and enjoy something they have dreamt about probably their whole career and playing in a World Cup, or they can use this stage, which I imagine you will see a lot of players do. They will use this platform to voice their opinion. Players are braver now, in my opinion, than ever before. Yes. In voicing their opinion. They also recognize the benefit to doing that as well. I hate to put it down this way, but yeah, I do say the word brand a lot because players will voice their opinion because they recognize that the society now is open for them to voice their opinion and will respect them more because of them using the stage to voice their opinion. And I think it's tremendously important that players do that. But I don't think it's, it's necessary for every player to do that. No. Not every player is built that way. So... yes. My question to you, Nigel, would be, are players being put under too much pressure to do that? You mentioned Hugo Lloris, right? You talked about the rainbow armband. I don't want players taking the knee like we see in the Premier League for no reason at all. If we're not yeah. going anywhere with this and we're not doing anything in the battle against racism, stop taking a knee. Like, just don't do that. Don't wear the armband if you don't feel like you stand behind that symbol. You have to use it to your advantage to to have a voice, to have an opinion, to make a statement. If you don't believe in it, then don't do it.
3: I 100% agree with what Jurgen Klopp said. The reality of it is when this World Cup was given to Qatar, people in the press and the media should have fired back straight away from there to build the pressure to say that FIFA was wrong. FIFA should not be given the World Cup there because of X, Y, and Z and what comes with it. It shouldn't be on the burden of players. And because of those reasons you just said, Ian, that not every player is built like that. Now you feel that there's too much pressure being put on these players to take a a stand and say something when it's not their decision. These are not the players who um, agreed with FIFA to say, oh, let's go Qatar and have a World Cup halfway through our domestic season away from World Cup typically being in the summer. And then all these different things come up where not every player is accustomed, like you say, to be involved in politics, to know anything about politics or how certain things work around the world. And not every player has that interest. And again, like you said, the culture and the country they come from plays a huge difference. You and I are different. We came from Western society. I was born and raised in England. You got educated in, you born in America, educated in in Europe as well. So you understand the European culture and the European dynamic. You're a bit more free spirited in how the world works. By no means is Europe or America or any of these other nations perfect, but there's greater freedom being expressed and and experienced there than what we've seen in Qatar. And for me, it's just, it's disgusting what you see. And I remember a certain period of time when I used to go and visit Dubai and Abu Dhabi and used to see certain things, probably not on the same level as what we've heard about Qatar. But mm-hmm. I understand and I can see how certain things are being done and treated with workers. So I just feel that there is a bit too much pressure on these players. And again, I think once this World Cup gets on the way and gets going through, we're going to learn a lot more about players who, who are more than just a football sport, who are more than just a footballer. And I say that in quotations of footballer because there's more to life than just football. And you've already seen um, what Miguel said about David Beckham. You know, he's seen as a global icon and he does have a big um, gay fan base. And then he goes and supports and he's an ambassador there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a bit contradictive to how you try and present yourself.
4: Mm-hmm. Yes, but in many ways, though, uh, Nigel, you know, I, I can say the same. I've worked to be in sports and I've worked um, around the UAE um, with City Football Group. And in many ways, I like to learn about different cultures in the mind yep. and the thought process. And and also in many ways in, in my mind what I am also trying to do is to share my values with them and and maybe help in any way understand the way I think and and potentially understand the way they think as to why certain rules are in place so I I think there's a best way to obviously go about it and the world cup being in Qatar please go ahead
3: now I'm just going to jump after you you finish I was just going to say this quickly Mm -hmm. like yourself I'm like that I'm the same way I love to embrace myself in different cultures I've been fortunate to travel around the world All of this could have been avoided if FIFA just stick to what FIFA is about, growing the game. If Qatar want to have the World Cup, say to Qatar, right, build your infrastructure up, build your domestic league up, make it welcoming to people from around the world. Yes, let them respect your laws and your culture, but build it up so you have a domestic league of people there and people are comfortable. There's other nations that already that developed where if they have a World Cup, it could probably develop their domestic league even more so. So they didn't have to go there. FIFA made that decision to go there. And that is why all these problems is going on. If FIFA really wants to stay to, true to the brand of football, the money that FIFA gives to all these nations to build up their domestic league, make sure that they're being spent the right way to build up the league. Make sure these the, the, the finances that they're given doesn't just disappear or go into pockets of certain people in positions of power. And that all could have been avoided. If they just gave it to a nation that could actually develop it and redevelop the infrastructure of their league. So I agree to that. But I do respect other cultures and and other places. And I've been fortunate to travel around the world and and go to there. And
4: I'm part of that. But you've got to have something in place. Hey, Nigel, before we get out of here, um, when a ball does roll and the games do get underway, do you think we'll just enjoy the games or do you think we'll still hear this noise around it? It depends what we see. I think it depends what we see. And again, it depends what you read.
3: I think there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be, who are completely anti this World Cup and they want to leave a stain on this World Cup so it doesn't happen again. So you're going to see a lot of reports coming out where people are going to be very determined to leave a a bad smell or a bad stain on this World Cup. No doubt about it. As long as England beat USA, I'm all right, mate. (laughs)
4: <laughs> or Wales.
3: <laughs> was Nigel, Wales thank I you, was mate. Shot. We
4: appreciate you, as always. Great stuff from Miguel Delaney earlier on. Um, obviously a little bit of a different show on House of Champions this time around. We wanted to make sure we had this discussion because it's important too. This is uh, why we have this platform, and this is the platform we want to utilize our voice and our opinion on to make sure that the discussion is had all across. And it's not just all about the positives that the beautiful game brings. There are some negatives. We like to discuss that too. And as you can tell me and Nigel James Bench, Jonathan Johnson Michael Hood are not frightened and voicing our opinion and that includes Fabrizio Romano as well the World Cup is less than a week away thanks to everybody out there for joining us Nigel I appreciate you thanks to everybody for listening to House of Champions please take a minute to leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform we're available on Apple Podcasts Spotify Stitcher and anywhere else you listen to podcasts also available as video so subscribe to us on YouTube thanks to everybody for listening to this episode of House of Champions we will be back again tomorrow
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.